Hello, sir. Hello. <laughs> so is this going to be the ongoing bit for the two of us? What <laughs> <laughs> background? And are you only doing this for films that you truly appreciate, like The Spirit? Um, yeah, I think I have had some misses. I've had some swings and misses, especially if I have back-to-back recordings. But, you know, The Brood. Where's my finger? Does it disappear? <laughs> Can I play with the teats? I think so. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's as close as you want to get. Eventually, you don't want to go head first into the the mucky muck where you've got going on. Like, can I start? Let's just start with the brood. Yeah, please. It's one I've been wanting to talk about for quite a while now. They come from the unknown, and they're here now, hiding, waiting to strike. You can feel their presence all around you. Never before have you come this close to the edge of terror. Never before have you faced anything so strange and sinister, so bizarre and unnerving. Never until now. David Cronenberg's The Brood. Are you ready for me, Frank? I seem to be a very special person now. I'm in the middle of a strange adventure. I want to go with you wherever you go. Do you? Then look! The Brood. You can run. You can hide and hope they won't find you. But you won't escape. Once unleashed, the Brood will destroy anyone who gets in their way. David Cronenberg's ultimate experience in inner terror. Starring Oliver Reed and Samantha Agar. The Brood. They're waiting for you. You knew I would not enjoy this. You knew I would be very uncomfortable with the, uh, I guess, early version of the Minions at play here. With that (laughs) nice Steve Carell animated feature film. Um, Is this meant to sort of justify my life choices? As far as not having children? I Solidify it, maybe? I love how bitter this movie is. And it's probably one, he made this movie while he was in the process of being divorced, going through a divorce. If it wasn't clear enough, (laughs) watch the film, Mm -hmm. uh, knowing that little piece of information about it. Um, And while not the way that you feel about your spouse, I I can kind of see you projecting yourself into this a little bit with your thoughts on family, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, we're recording this the uh, week of Thanksgiving, and there's all sorts of family plans being discussed. And I mean, I've got podcasts to edit. I've got things to do. Like, I I took a week off from work, trying to burn out some vacation. And uh, it would be nice if I didn't have all these other bits sort of getting in the way. I don't know if you know this about me. 
Um, okay. You probably have picked up on the fact that I'm a bit of a of a heightist. Uh, I'm not a fan of the the vertically challenged, and I'm <laughs> particularly. It is like one of the cardinal sins of films for me when uh, a smaller creature just somehow like manhandles uh, larger entities. In this case, well, I guess the entity is the the brood itself. These little. Uh, Kevin McAllister's running around the, the anger babies. Yeah. The anger babies. Um, I become an anger baby as I see these grown adults, uh, constantly bend over, <laughs> literally stoop to the level of their opponent and get bashed on the head with mallets or whatever heavy object is around. Um, not a good place. I guess like a, uh, teaching what kindergartners, preschools like there's a lot of wooden right. blocks that can be used as uh bludgeoning weapons from the brood here and i just really wanted i don't know if it's because of the new matrix movie coming out i was like if ever there was a sequence or a film that uh was begging for the burly brawl sequence with neo just <laughs> punching through the brood this is the film that demanded it okay so on topic but i guess a slight uh deviation how many of the brood would it take to overwhelm you, to overpower no. you? How many could you handle if they were attacking you at once? How many you got, Davy Cronenberg? I uh, mean, would... would you be able to hold up five? Could, do you think you could oh, take on five at sure. once? Sure. Just by sheer rage of seeing them <laughs> with their uh, pastel color sort of like jumpsuits. And the blonde hair, the striking blonde hair, which is, uh, you know, very, I guess, Village of the Damned. Uh, does Children of the Corn, do, are they blonde as well, or are they, they dark No, because you have um, the redhead guy that's in that one. Courtney Gaines. Malachi. Is that the leader? The ginger? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're seeing somewhat of a, of a theme here. Um, you know, fair-headed uh, children uh, apparently are evil. It's like the little, I guess, Hitler youth kind of look. Uh, sure. How many? Um, well, first off, you know, in one sequence, there's a man who's armed with a with a pistol. He's armed with a gun. There's six gone right there i'm assuming that you catch them in their bunk beds <laughs> when they're grunting to themselves plotting the next uh adult they take down um i mean this isn't uh what was that it's a really bad early 90s movie is it problem child is that a john ritter movie? there was a yeah there was a, uh several of them i think um yeah these, these uh again another little redhead kid mm -hmm. okay gotcha mm -hmm. um you know, there's not a lot of uh, Palpatine plotting with the brood. These, they're the goon squad. They're the <laughs> no. they're the henchmen that knock on your door here in the brood, say we're here to beat your ass. So, um, you know, in one sequence, if you I guess if you are armed, um, it's a matter of how fast you can kill uh, these small, tiny warriors uh, before what another anger rage pregnancy comes about i don't really know the the process i don't know if i want to know the uh the the, the mythology of this particular i guess witchcraft that goes into these these kids popping out well we do get to see one thank you for that chris really honest. You're welcome. i think at that time tonight i was eating an early dinner so i could go back to editing i was like oh lovely <laughs> the body horror yeah it you know it waited long enough i guess Cronenberg. Well it it does take a long time to get there um and i think that the film 
while not telegraphing exactly where it's going, if you have a hard time buying in to a couple of little people overpowering a full-size adult, just go ahead and clock out. You're not going to make it through the ending of this thing. Oh, it, no. it just oh, lets you on. know. Some of them do get shot. You do get to see brood bodies <laughs> on the ground. You do. <laughs> the, the thing is, I guess if it comes to uh, a grappling contest, you know, you you keep something that can, you know, a swinging object of some well, sort. Do you, do you grab one of them and swing it around? Sure. Um, you know, there, there, you do have uh, the the height advantage, which means that as far as like flailing limbs, you should be good to be able to, to bob and weave away from them because they, they do have to climb. They, they need cabinets, <laughs> they need steps, uh, ladders of some sort. Um, just don't bend over and tie your shoe. That's what I got from the brood. That's that was one one thing. They just have pure rage from the heart of this woman, and they are doing exactly what her emotional state of mind is telling them to do. And that's something you can't compete with, I guess, according to Mister Cronenberg. <sighs> There's, I, I thought of, uh, you know, you're talking about the divorce aspect of it. I did think in particular when you're, when you're just going to put it on uh, front street, as far as this, this, uh, woman, uh, when I guess, or I don't know, our hero, I don't know if you call it. That's one interesting thing about this movie is I never know who the lead is really for a long stretch. I don't really know who our main character is. He's not, to be. does he seem like he really gives a shit about his ex-wife who's institutionalized and he, who's clearly being abused. He is totally pained that he has to have one conversation with her, even when his child's in danger. It is like yeah. he is taking every ounce of his energy just to maintain eye contact with this woman that he previously had a relationship. And I appreciate that, that's the humor in this movie to me. That's oh, it's where funny. it's great. I appreciate the honesty of, I guess, this. Uh, post-divorce art as opposed to marriage story by uh bombback mm -hmm. it feels a little whitewashed there like all the all the painful stuff uh we get to see adam driver sort of weep and express to a complete stranger his hopes for his child post-divorce that feels like a uh a like sort of an apology to her uh, to to this this marriage that uh, from what I've read he he did go through with Jennifer Jason Lee, um, no apologies here. It's <laughs> like I should have strangled you sooner. Seems to be the messaging of the brood. <laughs> I for one appreciate that kind of honesty. Now, is it misogynistic? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, is it cruel? Yes. Is it bitter? But those are the things that I kind of. I love that it doesn't pull that punch in a way because it's so absurd and so clearly by a broken person trying to <laughs> tell the story that I really appreciate that. Um, it's not a positive movie. It's nothing that you gain insight and you leave the a better human being having seen this film, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I mean, clearly, um, I, I, people have come around on this movie because the critical response when it was released was pretty rough um, mm. across the board. And, but now there's a criterion disc. So I'm assuming people have come around on that. Or is this just something that slipped through the cracks and criterion said, Oh, well we have to, you know, complete the set at this point. 
Well, it's got an 84% currently on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, so I don't know how many of those were reviews of the, the time, how much that's been bumped up. Um, it, top critics is only five of the 25 reviews. Uh, now, Ebert... Um, <laughs> that's my favorite quote on this one. <laughs> It calls it an El Slizo exploitation film camouflaged by the presence of several well-known stars, but guaranteed to nauseate you all the same. Yeah. One, one out of four from Mr. Ebert. I have to yeah. admit, I'm a little surprised. I thought he was a, he was a tip man, like a sort of well-known tip man. And you get. <laughs> well, you, you get it, but you. Ha- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he is a tip man, not a teat man. <laughs> It's a clear distinction. That that was Siskel, obviously. <laughs> I um, I'm not. I'm I'm very hit or miss with uh, Sir Cronenberg, and so this was this was the first time watching me at your uh, recommendation, or I guess just your no, request. Yeah, I, I knew you weren't going to be on but board. I'm assuming this is not a first time watch for you. This is one of the ones I came around to later. Okay. Um, th- this isn't when I went through my initial high school kind of starting. I've got, I guess it probably started with the fly and then kind of going back through um, all of those and dead ringers, things like that. Um, so I didn't see it at that point. It was a little bit hard to come by, I think. Um, so maybe five years ago or so saw this for the first time. So you're coming to it in a uh, a happy marriage, family man. Yeah. Um, no, this isn't a mirror. <laughs> how do, but how do you think it plays like, um, like something like High Fidelity, uh, which is a comedy rom com, but is mm-hmm. all, all about breakups. And it's like a sad sack John Cusack bastard that is just ranting about all the women that broke his heart. And of course the you know the plot of that film is that when he actually starts to revisit and by revisit, I mean, give more than a half second thought. He's like, Oh, actually I was the shit there. Yeah. <laughs> and it starts to make him feel better. Um, I, I've always thought that film plays different from a comedy standpoint, depending on where you are in your romantic life. Um, sure. Whereas he could be a really sort of overbearing dickhead if you're in a happy relationship and so do you think this one plays any differently like if you're coming from from the cronenberg perspective um if we're to assume that the husband is cronenberg's proxy he's not meant to be a good guy here either so i don't think there's anybody in this relationship that is (laughs) maybe her she's the victim in this situation really above all else so um even as gross as the implications of this movie might be. Um, I, I do feel like she's the one that's being abused by the psychiatrist. She's ignored by her husband. Um, it's the idea of when women do um, express anger or frustration that men just can shut it down and say, you know, what is it? The, the Southern expression, uh, something about the vapors or something like that. It's that kind of thing, <laughs> that attitude towards, towards women that are hysterical, the slapping them in the face, that kind of thing that I think it's playing with that. And Sean I think Connery, I believe a, is what it's called. There you go. <laughs> I think he's a, he knows he's an asshole in this situation. And so I, yeah, I could see how high fidelity could play differently depending on where you are. To me, this is always funny. Um, I, I never kind of find myself in this film. In fact, you know, there's a lot of movies like this. My wife has a tough time watching 
But this one, when you get to the anger babies piece of it, she just starts laughing her ass off because she thinks it's the most absurd thing she's ever seen. Um, she thinks the filmmaker is an asshole, but she thinks it's very funny at the same time. I had a hard time with this. Like, because does does the woman care if she's... I think the film, I, I feel like they... they they're allowing you to maybe not enjoy, but come to terms with the fact that this woman who has been traumatized needs to be strangled to her death uh, only because he posits like, Hey, look, um, you're putting our child in danger. And she's like, fuck that kid. <laughs> like, you know, if that, that kid's got to go too. And I think that's the release valve for the audience where it's like, well, okay. Like kill the monster. Like any, any sort of engagement you're having with um, her, psychosis at that time mm -hmm. it's all out the window right and oh well he doesn't even care about the kid though like when as a dad my kid comes home and has clearly been abused in some way it's not just going we're not releasing the child back into that situation again um and no that that ends at that moment he's so disengaged and as you said put off by it that uh, yeah it's kind of the ending in that way it's a sloppy wrap-up but i guess they had to end it somehow it's not a perfect ending but i mean if you're really paying attention to that kind of level of detail in this this movie's not going to hold up in, on that level of examination well it's uh, here's what uh i guess the, the message was to me that a a man of inaction will be called the action if you're a big enough pain in the ass to his to his vibe <laughs> to where, yes the child abuse the bruises uh, people he uh, is associated with, friends, family, uh, school teacher being bludgeoned to death. Um, the, the most you get is maybe some pursed lips out of this guy. It's an incredibly stoic performance <laughs> from this this actor. And you, is that a choice or ability? I think, I think it's a choice. Um, okay. It could also be ability, but uh, in the casting process and probably in the direction. Um, I think there is supposed to be this sort of vacant quality to this man where these are things from his perspective that are happening to me. I didn't cause any of this. Why does this bullshit keep coming to my doorstep? Because that seems to be how he plays his conversations with people. It's like, oh, now I have to do this. And they're like, yes, you're the husband, you're the father. Yeah. You kind of need to step in here. Well, it fits in with other Cronenberg performances. I think that is what he's looking for. Um, you know, and this is the first time that he worked with Howard Shore. And so he has these, this weird combina combination, combination, can't even fucking speak, uh, this weird combination of heightened operatic almost music with soap opera-esque <laughs> plotting sometimes um, and body horror and just whatever that cocktail is that he does, it's something that is uniquely him is incredibly trashy but there's something about it that i find really appealing that it's just it's fun to me always i i never take his work all that seriously probably from this point for another i don't know what 30 years or so yeah i don't uh i don't think that there's been an outlier in cronenberg's work in that regard and that for the most part he tends to want to focus on creeps um uh, they, yeah. they may not be outwardly creepy i guess to the rest of the world but if you spend 90 minutes with them two hours 
you start to figure that out. Uh, I did pull up the the actor uh, Art Hindle as like you know our lead ish character, uh, Mister Stoic. Um, is known for on IMDb is uh, Black Christmas, uh, 1974 version okay. that, that yep. fits. Something called ENG. Uh, I'm assuming it was a series uh, from 1989 to 1984. Uh, a very 80s poster called Speed Zone, which looks like some sort of traffic cop on a motorcycle, Pratt falling. And then, of course, Porky's. Plays Ted Jarvis in Porky's. Looks like a Porky's guy. He has a Porky's feel about him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, even as he's watching the mother of his child like uh, give birth with her Siskel teats here, uh, he, there's a little bit of leering there. I mean, disgust, but also I'm not averting my gaze. Like, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> when else will I get a shot at this? When else will I get a chance to see this in action? So do you find him to be the most reprehensible character in the film or the doctor played by oliver reed we're never really given an entry point to the doctor so it's we he's clearly the the, the villain that he's he's supposed to be that i mean we give one little turn at the end but i don't think that's enough for him to have any redemption really in the film this is where he does assist in the last the absolute last second what do you think but, is too far for the doctor why why is this too far that like oh her her non-brood monster child's in danger i guess i'll step in is it that he's going to get caught or is it that that maybe all these other children are kind of disposable these people are a little bit disposable um this kid's on the grid it's, it's all coming home pretty quickly. It, that's what it feels like to me, that it's self-preservation more than it is. Because um, he, he seems like he's not fully on board with it. He's a little bit apprehensive. It's like, oh, fuck. I was, I was almost there with this thing. But then he sees that he has to help to just end this. My read of him was that he's just tired of this weird shit. Like what was kinky and cool for a while is... So it's just not doing it for him anymore. Is this the end of the last uh, waltz for you? Or take this waltz? What was the what was the name <laughs> of the Seth Rogen? Um, yeah, take take this waltz. Take this waltz. Thank you. Not the last waltz. Not the band movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not familiar with the the Scorsese the, the band. I think I vetoed that on a podcast directed by. I was like, yeah, I'm not watching. I'm not watching that. Um, it, see, you you need to go back and watch it. If for nothing else, then van morrison in a jumpsuit bell-bottom jumpsuit mm. clearly coked out of his mind doing high kicks while singing caravan it's something special is this uh van morrison coked out of his mind uh that uh will not take a vac vaccine to oh yeah during the middle of yeah pandemic? yeah that guy yeah uh no thanks <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he did the music for uh, uh, Belfast, the uh, Kenneth Branagh mm -hmm. Oscar yeah. frontrunner, and I was like, God, you you want? I tell you what, man, that that movie could have used some brood uh, with that fucking kid <laughs> in there. Uh, could have been some beatdowns going on in uh, in Belfast. Um, but yeah, I saw that pop up. I'm like, good. I hated this anyway, so fuck the music as well. Uh, whatever Irish jig he's concocting for that that score. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe I'm just rewatching uh, Sopranos too much, and that that tends to have a 
anti-therapy bent, especially as you get towards the end of that series, uh, becomes very bitter about, you know, what have we really accomplished here? But you have to consider the time when this came out in 79, 80. Um, this was at a time when there was the, re- what it was the repression um, therapy was becoming very popular and this like scream therapy and all these weird people that felt like they got their credentials uh, through correspondence. And there was a fine line between it felt like cults and psychiatry at that time. Um, You know, you're just a few years out from the Jonestown massacre, those kinds of things. And it just, I could see that this was maybe playing with that a little bit more than anti-therapy as more, it feels like it's more anti-cult. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's, that's fair. Um, because I mean, if you're going to psychoplasmatics, then that's on you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Whenever uh, th- there's a bit of like my eyes sort of glazing over whenever that words like that come up, I'm like, just bring out the freak and do whatever <laughs> you're going to do next. And you know, it's it's midi chlorians to me. It's episode one. What whatever whatever you're talking about, that's that's fine. Sure. Just just keep it going. Um, no, I'm just I'm just looking at it from that that lens in the sense of. And maybe it's sort of meta. It's also, you know, an artist trying to work out his bullshit uh, in front yeah. of us uh, where, you know, people are just your playthings for your own hangups. And so that that's why the, the actual doctor here when he's like, eh, maybe too much. Like, it's like, oh, now, <laughs> now it's too much. Like, yeah. You want to absolve yourself in some way of it by uh, playing the classic gunslinger going into the bunkhouse with a bunch of these blonde dwarves <laughs> attacking you. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, it's a, it's a pretty pure horror film in that regard. And that mm-hmm. I don't particularly root for anyone, I guess maybe the innocent child who could get to the door with a bit more pep in her step. But other than that, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, and uh, I think I always struggle to some extent with those films where uh, everyone is detestable in their own special way, I guess, like where, where all parties involved are wrong, uh, because it's not a worldview that I subscribe to. Maynard, I, I myself am pretty confident where I stand on most things like, no, that's that's right. Um, I feel that's right. Uh, I said it. So, yeah, it is. So. I don't want to hear your nonsense, Van Morrison. I don't want to hear your side on this. Well, this is something that you don't need to agree with anything that he's postulating here. He's clearly so dealing in broad strokes that it's, I think he welcomes, Cronenberg welcomes you to say like, no, this is bullshit. Because I think (laughs) he knows it's bullshit too. Is this, uh, what number in his filmography is this? for him three i think shivers was right before this and there's the if you count the short films and stuff there's like maybe six this probably number six or so i guess he said somewhere that this is his most classically structured film um i guess looking back uh and when you were talking about the sort of mixed reception that got and certainly uh tipmaster ebert was was no fan um it doesn't. It doesn't come up if you hear Cronenberg, uh, or it's like you know a Cronenberg style movie. This is not one that gets referenced a lot. Uh, I, I do think Dead Ringers, The Fly, is probably his most popular 
crash i would say at least in my mind maybe that's still the most controversial i i don't know if that's just because it's more for my use do people not associate history of violence with him it seems like that was the like kind of the crossover one Mm. yeah the the vigo i guess era there he did did he do three films with uh, that eastern promises and was he an m butterfly also i can't remember um it was the uh a dangerous method it was i think that's right Yeah, yeah 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 you're right um, I don't know if that one had as much crossover. Certainly, History of Violence was like that, that was his like fucking Spielberg summer blockbuster. It seems, <laughs> no, that was that was an like... joint. <laughs> <laughs> Eastern Promises, you know, you get a little you little Vigo dick action in there, and that the world was like, I'm not, I'm know, not mad. It was fine. I don't think I don't think anybody was was mad. I, I was you know incredibly anxious, intense during that <laughs> sequence. Um, made me realize like just having like a solid pair of trousers, even when someone is stabbing at you makes you feel a whole lot more comfortable than, you know, having something beat against your leg, especially the Vigo, you know, just (laughs) the sword of Gondor out in the bathhouse. (laughs) That would like a, maybe an alternative sequence where the guy comes in with the switchblade and is like, Walks out, tells his buddies, like, dude, he's naked in there. Like, do I have to, can we just wait? Like, <laughs> wait till he gets dressed. <laughs> no, he's not going to go down easy. <laughs> I'm going to get stabbed with something. If I go in there, I don't care if he's unarmed. Cronenberg <laughs> oh, movies always penetrate. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Conversation. Okay. You did an interview in which you said, uh, not the worst thing to slap a woman now and then. As I remember, you said you don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. Mm. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't I, love that. I haven't changed my opinion. You haven't? No. Not at all. You think it's good to slap a woman? No, I don't think it's good. You I don't think, think it's bad? It must, I don't think it's that bad. I think that it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Yeah. Well, what would merit it? Well, if you have tried everything else, and women are pretty good at this, they, they can't leave it alone. Eh? They don't they want to have the, the, the last word, and you give them the last, last word, but they're not happy with the last word. They want to say it again and, and get into a really provocative situation. Then I think it's absolutely right. <laughs>